Welcome to the Hyper Voice, episode 76. This is a show all about Pokemon's video game championship series. I am your host, Stephen Morioka, and today I am here with Alex Underhill. Hello. And Justin Burns. Hey guys, good to be here. Welcome everyone to the show. We are all back from uh, the Dallas Regional here, and this is actually uh, two weeks later after this is over, um, because we did not have a show the previous week because I had some wisdom teeth taken out, so uh, we were unable to do any of that last time. Did you ever get them put back in or no? They did not put them back in, thankfully. That would be uh, very odd and very painful, I'm assuming. I'm still in some pain right now, but it's a lot more manageable than it was last week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, what I did want to talk about uh, to start us off here, and I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, the last time we had Justin on here uh, was actually an episode where we talked about the, uh, it was the reveal of uh, Galarian Ponyta. And, you know, lo and behold, many uh, months, weeks later, that oh uh, we, we find we find <laughs> Justin um, does really well at this regional with that uh, Galarian evolution of Ponyta, the Galarian Rapidash. So congrats, Justin, on such a great finish with Rapidash. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm very happy with the, with the way my team turned out. Luckily, I was able to be the only person at the entire tournament with Tapu Fenian and Cineroar. So, you know, having strong Pokemon like that really helps me out, especially when I have uh, maybe not so great Pokemon like Rapidash and Shedinja on the team. <laughs> now, hold on. The uh, Salamence on your team, everyone was wondering, since we never got to see it on stream, uh, was it able to Mega Evolve or was it a regular Salamence? Um, you know what? I, I think I'm going to keep that secret to myself. <laughs> it, that, that is between me and my opponents from Dallas. <laughs> okay, good to hear. I guess uh, we're never going to find out how Justin did so well with such a uh, secretive team there. But um, let's uh, move on here to our show. We're mostly going to be talking about uh, the Dallas Regional and uh, just the details, that stream, and uh, who did well, what did well, and kind of just pick up on trends uh, we see from there. And uh, before we get into any of that, before I forget for the show... I just want to do a little shout out to uh, someone who I talked to at the original, uh, actually Justin Wan, and uh, or he is from the Northern California Bay Area, and uh, we talked for probably a good hour after that entire tournament was over that Sunday, so uh, I just want to give you a shout out because we talked a lot about the show and just uh, Pokemon and other stuff in general, so I uh, just want to say hi and give you a shout out for that, so uh, thanks Justin for uh, talking with me, and uh, that was a lot of fun. That is uh, Justin Wan. We have Justin Burns right now, and we're going to keep talking with Justin Burns right now. <laughs> We're also going to talk about a couple of other Justins. Uh, there was actually a lot of Justin representation at this tournament, uh, the Dallas Regional. But um, yeah, something else that we need to make sure that we talk about uh, as we go through here. And why don't we, you know, open up with this? Uh, the, just talking about the first regional on Switch. You know, we we talked uh, the episode before this about locals and what it's like to play on the Switch. So some of those things have already been covered. But this was the first major, the first regional tournament run on the Switch, and it was uh, run by the Pokemon Company themselves, you know, I mean, obviously they always run the regionals, but I think just with the whole stream being there, they I think that was the reason we may have had extra equipment and such. For example, they had a dock set up for every single Switch at every match, and I think that was something a little bit crazy that we uh, only knew about because of Bokum, I guess. Um, but yeah, what did you guys think about, like, just... The first regional on Switch. I think it was uh, very fantastically organized. Um, I, you know, agreed. Overheard from the judges a little bit that, you know, maybe the setups weren't quite what they wanted, but it was it was what they had, and uh, it was the all the wires on the table did get messy at times, but uh, overall it was um, pretty pretty amazing how they were able to, uh, you know, accommodate everyone attending that tournament especially since you know it was the the biggest regional in uh quite a few years so uh setting that up um huge undertaking it was uh very successfully done uh so big props to them yeah it went very smoothly yeah i'm with uh justin on this as well the uh didn't it didn't look pretty to look at a lot of the, the cables all over the table uh didn't make things super appealing just to 
sit there and look at those things. But um, anyway, <laughs> the tournament organizers and the rest of the staff and the judges did a really nice job with this tournament considering the number of people they had to deal with for this um, and considering the space was kind of small at the bottom of the uh, Hyatt Regency Hotel there. Um, and that may play into the stream, which we're going to talk about uh, shortly here. But uh, yeah, I thought they did a really nice job. So I really, uh, really uh, commend them for that. Um, but let's just talk about the uh, sizing of the regional here as well to uh, get into things. Um, I guess another thing with the with that land setup they had for those that those dock systems. Um, I think one thing that uh, I was concerned with heading into the regional is just everyone being able to charge their system. But you being pl being able to plug in your switch into these uh, land mode things uh, essentially charged you while you were playing. So I thought that was a very nice. Uh, a uh, bonus and a uh, boon to all of us to um, just not have to worry about that. Just it just keeps that out of our mind. I brought a uh, big old charging pack because I was ready for this. I was like, I don't want my switch to you know die between rounds, especially if I'm not able to find an outlet or such. And uh, it turns out that I did not need to use it for my switch once. I used it for my phone a little bit, but that was really it. Like it was just uh, because of the setups that they uh, brought. Um, Everything was very smooth, and the, the the switches were able to actually have reasonable battery life because they were charging the entire tournament long, even during the games. So that was really nice. Um, I heard a rumor, and I don't know exactly uh, if this is super accurate or not, but uh, a judge told me that the cost for a setup for two players was about $80. Including, you know, the, the stand that you put your switch in, the cables that are running between them connecting the two, and what have you, as well as, you know, the charging cords and all that. And so if you math it out, um, I ran the math a little bit ago, but if you assume around 500 players and the $80 setups per players, it ended up being about twenty k, $20,000 to uh, get all these setups for each uh, match, I would say. Wow, I mean, that's pretty hefty, if anything. Um, so our, uh, yeah, $80 in terms of like the, their costs and like we paid an entry fee for this one, which is probably closer to around 40. So, uh, interesting. Yeah. Didn't, didn't, uh, those are some interesting numbers there. Yeah. I think that, um, along with Pokemon going to be streaming a ton of regionals this year, almost every one, I think they are going to be wheeling all of the equipment out for each one. So this is kind of an initial, down payment at the beginning to get the setups that they're going to use for the rest of the tournaments of the Switch's life cycle, pretty much, especially because uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to hit a regional uh, this big for a while. I don't think that Collinsville is going to be breaking 500 or anything. And so uh, because they were, you know, they set themselves up for the biggest regional and it's mostly downhill from here in terms of attendance size, um, then they pretty much got themselves covered. Yeah, so they'll be they'll be all good. So let's talk about the size of this regional here. So um, we did, like, apparently we safely hit over 500 here, and we ended up with uh, 546 masters for this uh, for this tournament, um, which is actually the largest in modern history during our Swiss era. Um, you know, there are a lot of uh, people talking about how, you know, this isn't the biggest one ever. This is just the biggest one during Swiss, which is true uh, prior to 2012. That season on the single elimination years, we did have tournaments which were larger for the uh, Masters division. Um, but that was, you know, it's different. It's different times now. So this is still really important um, that we hit really big numbers like this. And um, we did have, this was the first regional in North America. And I guess the second overall, the second major overall on Sword and Shield after the Bochum regional in Germany the previous weekend. So with that 546 Masters, we did end up hitting 10 rounds of Swiss. Uh, that ended up giving us a top 32 cut, and top 128 players received championship points. So, um, the 10 rounds of Swiss was just something no one had ever probably dealt with before in a single day. So, that was, uh, something to, you know, kind of chug and get through. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, they made the right choice, though. There was a lot of, uh, talk going around about them breaking into two flights and running nine rounds of Swiss in those two flights, breaking the tournament in half, essentially. And um, then they would take the top 16 cuts and put those two together for essentially a top 32 cut in the end, but only nine rounds of Swiss are played. And then each flight doesn't really interact with the other one. So say I was in flight A and Justin Burns was in flight B, no matter how well either of us do in either flight, we would not play each other. 
But uh, they ended up saying, no, we're going to do the 10 rounds with Swiss. And the main reason that I think this was uh, the better choice was that it led for all players with two losses or fewer to guarantee a chance at top cut. Whereas if they ran nine rounds in flights, um, we would have seen some players go seven and two and have a chance to miss the cut, which would have been kind of tragic considering the, uh, you know, how hard this tournament is. Um, in this case, we had pretty much all eight and twos and then like two or three, I think just two seven and threes made it into that top 32 cut, which honestly, at that point, if you're going seven and three, you shouldn't be expecting to make it in unless you had the hardest schedule of the day. And so the two players that did make it in, obviously, you know, they earned that. But I think that it's it's way better this way that, you know, two losses or fewer was guaranteed cut. Yeah, I, I'm not... Um... I, I'm not for or against, you know, flights or 10 rounds. I, I think 10 rounds is pretty grueling. It's pretty difficult. But at the end of the day, it's really like an extra round of Pokemon. There's not much difference between a, a long nine round day and a long 10 round day. And in fact, we did have a uh, regional many, many years ago where we had nine rounds of Swiss on the first day and then we played top 16 on the same day. So. It it oh, really gosh. wasn't anything that uh, was really brand new to me. Maybe to a lot of, a lot of newer players, um, you know, they have that uh, started you know later than that. They they were probably more used to you know seven round, eight round, nine round, or seven round, eight round regionals, um, and maybe you know the nine round nationals. So um, I, I I do you know I was fine with it either way. I wouldn't mind flights. Um, another problem with flights can be you know. If the if the roster is randomly split, then there's definitely going to be a flight that is harder than the other. Um, maybe not significantly harder unless uh, people get really unlucky, but uh, it, it definitely the flights could have been imbalanced. So I, I I think I would have gone with you know taking the the, the entire roster into one flight and uh, running ten rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it works out better this way, um, and. Uh, we really did have that long, grueling day that you were talking about, though, because after the ninth round, we went into the tenth. Um, man, when did we start? We started playing around nine or ten. I think closer it was closer to ten. Yeah, yeah, I think it was ten o'clock. Closer to ten. And uh, we were playing that last round. We were all sitting there, and they had a repair issue in the last round uh, because a match was reported incorrectly. And uh, they they fixed that, you know, fine, but it did cause a good number of games to be. Uh, repaired and had to re- be redone and that whole process I think took 30 minutes or more and um, you know un- it's just an unfortunate circumstance but it just meant that the most intense round of the tournament the one that was do or die for so many players a lot of them were just sitting there with their nerves like you know so so raging so high strung and it was just it was like a really really nerve-wracking just being there for so long just like I want to play my game yeah, fortunately for me, I was uh, sitting pretty at eight and one, but um, definitely for the other players that were still, you know, playing playing to win or go home, um, that definitely sounds like it would be awful to have to go through. Yeah, and all in all, I think uh, what end of the night, probably after the final match finish, we were probably what at eight eight p.m. eight thirty p.m. Um, after that tournament was over. And then uh, we waited for standings and all that. I think I think my time is right on that. Does that sound about right to you too? Yeah, I, I think top cut meeting ended at like ten, maybe close to ten thirty. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, um, we'll uh we'll talk about well we'll talk about you know top cut and the teams in a little bit here. But uh, Justin, just more on that timing thing. Um, they told you what time did you have to be back that Sunday morning to start? I believe they wanted us back at 8 a.m. However, the doors did not actually open until 8.15. So, we, like, I, I showed up at 8, but we probably, I could have gotten away with showing up a little bit late. Uh, we ended up starting the matches at 9. Hmm. Okay. Okay, cool. I was, I was just curious about that. So, um, yeah, I guess they wanted all of you early just to know, okay, everyone's here, we're ready, we won't have any uh, issues or anyone, people showing up late. So, um, yeah, still a lot of rounds of this tournament and still ended up, you know, running pretty well considering the number of players as well too. So, um, next thing, next deal of business here is uh, we want to talk about the stream, which was officially held 
by the Pokemon Company International, CPCI. And for the VGC side of things, I don't think we had the roster of our commentators the previous show. So uh, we just want to acknowledge and thank Rosemary Kelly, Adam Dorcott, and newcomer to the official stream, Jake Muller, who uh, did a fantastic job on there. And uh, while there were only three of them, they did not have that much, uh, that many matches to do because uh, TPCI, for some reason, decided to uh, have only one stream. And uh, for VGC specifically, I know we're going to have a lot to say about all of this. Um, we only had round one, two, three, and four streamed on the first day. And uh, on the second day on Sunday, we did not have any of top 32 or top 16 streamed. We had one top eight set streamed. And then both semifinal A and semifinal B and the final stream. So overall, that's only eight matches in total. And even I think on day one, the trading card game only had rounds five, six, seven, and eight streamed, and there's nothing for nine and ten. I uh, don't. <laughs> it was hilarious. Like why? Like I'm pretty sure they had nothing after that. No, they didn't. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on all this? Um. So, um, obviously, it's not ideal, but uh, this was the first regional that they've streamed since I believe it was Memphis Regionals in December of 2017. So, um, I, I expected there to be hiccups, but, you know, it is kind of unfortunate that, uh, there was so few of the rounds streamed, especially at such a huge regional, and for both video game and TCG. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, going forward, they'll try to do a lot better, but if not, then, uh, it's gonna be kind of unfortunate that we're having so many regionals streamed, but not really much of the rounds actually streamed. That was my frustration with it is that, um, you know, we were excited at the beginning of the season when they had announced that we'll be streaming all of these regionals. And, you know, that's exciting because it draws a bigger crowd. You know, it's much easier to uh, access when it's just twitch.tv slash Pokemon or Pokemon VG or whatever. And, you know, uh, it's going to get a lot more people to follow the game. And that's what we want for VGC, at least a lot of players. uh, You know, we want to see this game grow. So it was it's exciting to see that, you know, Pokemon is going to take up that uh, role. But then when they do it like this, it just makes me wish that we had our grassroots streamers, the, uh, you know, critical hit GG and uh, what have you, all the other um, groups that stream the events, you know, with their own time, own money and stuff like that and working with organizers and what have you. But um yeah, I I think I agree with Justin. It, it might have been like a you know a budget thing, or just you know that this is the first regional on Swiss, the first one they've streamed in a long time, and hopefully it will get better as the year goes on. I really hope that they don't just. I mean, they already did take the the biggest regional of all time, the first one uh, or of modern VGC, whatever, and uh, the first regional of the Switch in the U.S. and they kind of just bombed that. So. There's no coming back from that, but hopefully uh, when it comes time for the next one for Collinsville that they figure things out a bit more so that we can, you know, take advantage of this initial switch hype, the uh, sword and shield hype. Yeah, I do have a thing, a, a couple of things about this, actually. So you just think about with the one stream, we only have three commentators, um, you know, staffed for the video game side. So when you typically think about when you have a, a regular stream, the mainstream and a side stream for specifically for VGC, you're typically split two and two with commentary team. And we didn't have the numbers for that. So they could have done like a two and one thing if they did had the side stream, um, which would have been nice to have that dedicated thing. But um, I honestly, like I just don't know if other commentators were available or if they had to do with the venue spacing issue. Cause Let's be honest, the basement we were in at the bottom of the hotel was pretty tight-packed um, all throughout with both trading card game going on and the video game going on. It didn't seem like they had much more to uh, space to offer. Yeah, I-, I think the main concern was that, you know, they had to stream video game and trading card game onto one channel. So they couldn't run both games concurrently, so they had to, they had to split time. Um, but I, I think what we like would have been ideal was if there was a way to have you know use two of their channels and have you know vg running one stream match every round and tcg running one stream match every round Mm-hmm. yeah at the very least there yeah so if everyone else is also familiar with uh d1 
who uh, who I think who I believe works for TPCI now. Um, he's a famous. Uh, no, um, that is DC, I believe. Yeah. Oh, sorry, DC. DC. Yeah, DC. Um, I'm not. I I had a reputable source tell me. I don't know if I'm able to say their name, so I'm not going to. But this person told me that um, DC wasn't uh you know wasn't happy with the decision and it apparently wasn't his call or his decision to do this to only have the one stream for both uh side of the game sides of the game and uh another funny thing is that i also uh i rode down in the elevator with chris brown on sunday so i got a chance to talk with him a little bit about this and apparently he wasn't very happy with the with this decision either so i don't think it fell on either of the two of them so um even people within the company were pretty unhappy uh, with this and I think we are going to see some hopefully some changes for upcoming regionals here so I think one thing that uh was at least a little bit of a positive takeaway is um when we were talking to like some of the commentators um I believe they were telling us that we were going to get rounds one two three four and then top eight a top four and a finals and somehow it was twisted that we could get both of the top four matches and uh, I'm happy that was the case um because then uh, you know, at least you get to see the final three matches of the tournament. We get to see both sides of the, uh, you know, both of the finalists entering into the finals there. Um, I'm glad that both of those matches were streamed. I'm not sure if that was always planned or if it was something that ended up happening last minute because of some, you know, time or circumstance that ended up changing. But uh, that was at least nice. I believe the plan was that they would stream rounds one through four and then they would stream top both top four sets of finals the next day i i think the the addition of streaming a top eight match was a was a change they made at like close to the last minute gotcha gotcha okay well we have a lot of uh, apparently hearsay today on the show but uh <laughs> that's kind of funny <laughs> okay anyway uh i don't have a uh like we're just like we're just talking about all these kinds of rumors all these things that are just like being passed around I know. Um, anyway, uh, I, th I thought it was really cool that they added Jake to the official roster now. So we've got this. Uh, we got this big commentary team growing. You know, both on the uh, North American side as well as the European side. So you just got this big, big roster that can keep us staffing. You know, the internationals as well as the uh, United, the North American regionals here. So um, you'll see a nice mix of uh, everybody here and there, which is a lot of fun. So, you know, Jake McKeon is really cool. I hope they can add uh, some, even some more people. Yeah, I think that's great for Jake, even though he is a huge nerd. <laughs> oh, don't we know it? That's the truth. But we're all nerds because we all play video games for fun, for competitive reasons. So uh, I think that is a, a fair judgment to make. But uh, yeah, we've uh, we've talked a lot about Dallas, but not about what actually happened in Dallas in terms of uh, competitive Pokemon, competitive teams, competitive all that jazz. You know, I'm sure people do want to hear about what did well at Dallas. What uh, and uh, I guess not what didn't because we don't really have a record of that. We don't have the bottom 128 teams we have the top 128 teams here on nimbasa city post uh big shout out to sam temple and all the people that helped him out uh for gathering all of these teams it's uh quite incredible that we have this many teams to look at these are all the teams that earned championship points not a single one is uh missing so uh the winner of the tournament we have here aaron trailer uh, winning over Bingji Wang in the finals, Aaron had a team of Charizard, Whimsicott, Jellicent, Conkledur, Togekiss, and Duraludon. Uh, oh, and then Bingji did have a team of Durant, Whimsicott, Chandelure, Conkledur, Togekiss, and Melodic. So, boys, uh, I'm sure that both of you watched the finals. Actually, I watched the finals with both of you, yes, uh, yes. at least close to my seat. <laughs> Pretty close. Um, of course I had the best seat. I got there like 30 minutes before the match started. So I had the front and center seat. Um, but yeah, you guys, uh, were there watching these matches with me. And, uh, what did you think of these two teams? What did you think of the match? If you remember it at all, it's a little bit of time has passed since then, but, uh, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I think they were both, uh, strong teams. Um, you know, Aaron's having played it myself in top four, um, Definitely a really strong team that was uh, difficult for me to keep up with uh, due to how how offensively paced it was. Um, the the other team or the other the Durant team um, also very scary. Durant is a Pokemon that I did not play much. I did not play it at all at Dallas, and 
in my test games, I didn't really run into it very much. So I was, you know, if I had made finals, that would have been uh, kind of difficult for me to approach and adjust to just because I wasn't really experienced with playing against it. Yeah, and there was a, a bit of buzz on Twitter before the event, people talking about uh, Durant Melodic uh, just being this kind of annoying duo to face. And yeah, Durant is um, honestly just a really terrifying Pokemon. Uh, it reminds me a bit of Kartana. Uh, I know they are very different, but it's just this fast four times week uh, to fire Pokemon that has no special defense stat, even when it Mega or Mega Evolves, even when it Mega Evolves. Uh, even when it Dynamaxes, it still does not take special attacks very well. However, it has a lot of coverage and hustle, of course, um, still boosts your damage output during uh, Dynamax while it is, uh, and Dynamax moves, however, cannot miss. And so uh, the attacks from Durant are just going to be doing so much damage, especially with that boosted base power that comes from the max moves. Um, and it can just be really hard for teams to deal with, especially the... Uh, the stab max steel further boosting its defense um and a lot of the pokemon that you want to deal with it with like say a fire type like a arcanine or a charizard well uh unless they are holding something like a charty berry they might have a hard time dealing with a max rock coming from the durant that they often run and so uh, it's just got a really good plethora of coverage moves between ground steel rock uh you know it's got other things like bug and dark and maybe even electric so uh, it's a very hard Pokemon to um, stay in front of, especially when they are going to be often Dynamaxing it in the lead of the game. Yeah, and um, there, there are pe- people will say that Benji made a couple of questionable decisions. Um, I think there was one turn where he had uh, he was supposed to rock fall into something, but um, he uh, hit the hit the wrong target, and I thought that was a fine play. I can't remember if that was semifinals against Andrew Burley. I think it was that match. Um, the, with uh, mm-hmm. against his team, and but there was a turn in the finals where he definitely needed to click follow me with his Togekiss, and I think he just read too hard into it, and he did it and lost his Durant, and that pretty much cost him um that game. So, you know, Aaron kept uh kept up real good pace with Benji, it was able to take it all, and uh, one thing to note is that Aaron Trailer ran the Gigantamax Charizard. So, uh, most often people are just expecting your Charizard to be, or I guess prior to this tournament would have been a regular form Charizard. So, uh, this one, when you're using the max fire move, it's going to be a G max wildfire and you're going to set up essentially the sea of fire on your opponent's field. And that's going to be doing a lot of residual damage for the next four turns. So take away one sixth of your HP on both sides, as long as that Pokemon isn't a fire type. And I think that was probably one of the biggest surprises of the tournament is just seeing a that G-Max Charizard. Yeah, and it's uh, worth noting that right now Gigantamax Charizard can only be used with the Blaze ability, whereas um, people have been opting to use uh, Solar Power Charizards, in which case they would have to use regular Dynamax Charizard in order to uh, bring it to a tournament. Yeah, so that is kind of telling once you see that uh, Gigantamax come out. You do know immediately what ability they have chosen to run. Uh, I think most Charizards going forward will choose to run Solar Power once that is legal across the board. Um, However, you know, players might still leave it up to themselves to choose whether they want their Charizard's Fire move to deal chip damage or maybe self-set that sun so they can boost their own Solar Power. Um, Of course, Blaze is an alright ability too if you are often Dynamaxing your Charizard just because, um, you know, it might have a higher chance to live just with that sliver of HP between one-third and then uh, your G-Max Wildfire or your Max Fires or whatever you have, whatever you're going for will be doing a lot more damage. So... Yeah, we. Uh, I think we should probably uh, just talk about uh, Justin's run here because you know now that we are down into the top four teams, that is where Justin's ran uh, run ended. Uh, Justin was uh, eliminated by Aaron Trailer in a three game set in the top four. Um, do you want to talk at all about that game, Justin? Well, yeah, I like Aaron was playing uh, phenomenally all of uh, Sunday. And I I feel like I was playing well too, you know, and um, so going into that match, it was definitely a a big heavy heavyweight battle between, you know, Aaron who's uh, really accomplished and myself who also has a few accomplishments. Um, so, you know, I I think I 
definitely played to the matchup as best as I could. Um, like late game, I made a few decisions that, you know, I could have done differently, but, you know, obviously nobody's perfect. So, um, I, I was pretty happy with my run overall. So, um, I had, I had, you know, no problems with, uh, falling just short against uh, a player as, as good as Aaron and, you know, um, like a player who prepared so much for this tournament in particular. Um, I, I think, you know, he absolutely, you know, deserved it and, um, I'm really happy for him. And now just me being the, uh, Justin Burns fan that I am, I'm going to give Justin a little more credit than he's going to give himself. Uh, one thing that he did say going into the tournament, the jerk that he is, he was like, I'm not going to care too much about this tournament. I'm going to focus more on Collinsville when that comes around because Justin just had other games that he was focusing on at the time. So, uh, that was another impressive thing about his run. And then also Justin, in your top four set, um, you were running the, uh, super, Scope, Lens, Luck, Togekiss. Yeah, that's yes. the, uh, I got those words all right, right? Um, the yes. super mixed lucky up scope. Mixed. The, very, the very lucky Togekiss. <laughs> the very lucky Togekiss that gets crits 50% of the time, uh, as long as its item is still uh, intact. And so um, I believe there was two turns where if you did get the crit, uh, it might have impacted the battle uh, a little bit differently, you know? Um, but of course, it is a coin flip, uh, and, you know, Pokemon's full of them, whether it's, you know, a play or some kind of RNG. And so um, I believe that was something that happened in uh, against Aaron at least twice. Um, so uh, unfortunate that uh, he just didn't get those coin flips. But uh, Aaron is also a player that I respect greatly. Another, uh, you know, great um, player in the scene. Somebody that, you know, you want to see win the first uh, regional of the format of the Switch, you know, uh, of the season, this like such large um, event that I think it's great to have a face like Aaron at the front of it because um, I think he's going to do a lot to grow the game with his team, uh, with the work that he does on the VGC subreddit. He, you know, he's already released his team so that uh, you you guys can try it out. Uh, do check out his Twitter. Um, we've had Aaron on the show plug his Twitter before. I believe his Twitter is TBF Unreality. Sounds right. Um, yes, I believe. that's correct. So if you wanted to check out his team there, and then it's also, uh, I mean, you could always probably find him on the uh, Reddit uh, RVGC. I think it is just VGC. Yeah, R slash VGC. R slash VGC, yeah. Um, so then you can always check out uh, other Pokemon content there too. But uh, rounding out the uh, other side of top four, we had Andrew Burley with a team of Charizard, Whimsicott, Bronzong, Rhyperior, Butterfree, and Duraludon. Which is a pretty cool team, but also we failed to mention Justin Six. So why don't uh, Justin? Do you want to mention yeah, the Six? Please that go you ahead. Used? Well, well, uh, contrary to popular belief, I did not run Galarian Rapidash and all those <laughs> other Pokemon we talked about at the beginning. I actually used uh, Rhyperior, Bronzong, Dragapult, Togekiss, as we mentioned before, uh, Grim Snarl, and, and Arcanine. Arcanine, yes, thank you. And, uh, yeah, so Justin had the, uh, you know, fake tears Grim Snarl. Uh, I believe he is the, uh, well, I was going to say he's the highest finish in Grim Snarl, but of course, uh, why don't we go ahead and just move down to sixth place really quick to talk about uh, Justin Krubaugh, another Justin in the top cut here with a uh, similar ish team. Uh, I believe four of the same members. In, no, actually, only three. Yes, three, of, three the same. of the same. I actually, yeah, he, he had, he had Mudsdale. Gastrodon and Duraludon instead yes. of Bronzong, Rhyperior, and Dragapult, and he ac he actually helped me with my six. Um, mm -hmm. We all the Pokemon we share, I think they all had the same sets, just because I got the sets from him and they were very good. So, uh, you know, much thanks to him for once again uh, carrying me to a good regional finish in the early <laughs> format. <laughs> So, uh, running through some more uh, teams, um, unless somebody had anybody had anything to say about Andrew's team, I'm going to move on to fifth place. Uh, the fifth place team here from Justin Ramirez uh, with Whimsicott, Mimikyu, Conkeldurr, Rhyperior, Duraludon, and Dragapult. Interestingly enough, he has uh, the double ghost combination, uh, as well as, you know, double dragon. 
Uh, as well as Double Fairy, he's just overlapping all over the place. The type chart is screaming, but uh, not, his result is, you know, doing pretty well. He finished fifth place here, top eight. Um, so, obviously had a very strong uh, team, strong run. And uh, I think what's most notable notable to me is that the Rhyperior doesn't have one of its, like, typical Trick Room setters that we see next to it. We often see the Bronzong or the Dusclops used with it. Um, so... I think that is uh, something that was a little different on Justin's team. Justin Ramirez's team. Oh man, too many. Justins. Yeah, very very, tri- very tricky with that triple Justin threat. It's like it's even funny in the standings that you. I think those standings are correct. Finished where... fourth, fifth, and sixth. Exactly. Yeah, all back to back to back. What's also funny is that we were on this. We were all on the same side of the bracket, and the third or the fourth player that was in that side of the bracket was. Uh, None other than Aaron Trailer, who actually built his team with the help of Justin Karras. Oh man, so it's Justin Trader? Maybe. He helped He helped Aaron slay all the other Justins, so <laughs> we might have to boot him off of Team Justin. <laughs> wow. I'm only kidding, of course. Right, right. So tragic, that's, so tragic That's really hear. funny, though. Um, yeah, that whole Justin side of the bracket, very, very stacked over there. But... Um, I guess to uh, finish rounding out the rest of top eight teams here, we have uh, Ryan Chambers, who also had a team of Tyranitar, Excadrill, Scrafty, Braviary, Rotom, Cut, and uh, Jellicent. And Jake Skirkchak has Arcanine, Rotom Wash, Sylveon, Ferrothorn, Mandibuzz, and Dragapult. So um, that is our top eight from this tournament here. And we're not going to go in-depth into all of the rest of the 120 teams remaining, because uh, that would be take a very long time, and I don't want to do all of that, but I would like to all time. of us to Let's just go. talk about uh, any other highlights or other players or teams or Pokemon you see um, kind of standing throughout the rest of either Top 32 or even 20, 128 if you want, um, just to you know talk about these things, talk about the Pokemon right now. Yeah, I, I think um, two Pokemon that had very great showings were Conkelder and Jellicent, and as you know, they were both on uh, the regional winning team, piloted by Aaron, but they were also uh, definitely scattered throughout Cut and the rest of, you know, the uh, championship point-earning teams. I actually played uh, a, han- a handful of Conkelder and Jellicent, both in my uh, run to top four, so uh, they are definitely looking to be... Um, strong picks in the metagame going forward and if you want to do well you'll definitely have to you know not not have a have a bad matchup against those pokemon mm-hmm. i uh i famously was bagging on conkledur all the way up until this uh regional and i think i still want to bag on it i'm not a big fan of conkledur but uh and Steven's not a fan of the way I pronounce it. Nope. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Conkledur, I, uh, ran on my first hard trick room team and immediately said, why is this Pokemon on the team? You know, this immediately needs to go. But uh, it's really proving to be just a strong Pokemon in dealing with, uh, sand, as well as, you know, um, it has a, pl- a plethora of coverage moves that it can choose from between the different elemental pu- punches or a, uh, poison jab, for example. But the mock punch, uh, is what I think is really helping Conkledur stand out, is that it has a strong fighting move that it can click when it needs to take KOs, while also being able to fit priority onto its moveset. But uh, something that I really wanted to point out was actually Jake Skirshak's team. Um, just a couple of things about it. One, that it has a Sylveon. Sylveon is a Pokemon that has really, really fallen off, just because we have the ever-oppressive Togekiss, one of the, uh, if not the best Pokemon in the format, uh, You know, being our designated fairy-type damage dealer. And so, not a lot of teams opt to run a Sylveon, as well as the Mandibuzz. Mandibuzz, I wouldn't be surprised if Jake was the only person in all of Top 128 to have a Mandibuzz. It's just such a few and far between Pokemon, but uh, it's got some things going for it. Like, I think all three of its abilities are really cool right now, between Overcoat preventing it from being put to sleep by, say, a Butterfree Sleep Powder. Um, It's got the... um, Weak armor, so that if it's hit by an attack, its speed will be boosted. And with the new speed mechanics, that means that Mandibuzz will be pretty much moving right away. And then the last ability that apparently is good, but Alex can't remember it right now. What is that one? Big Pex? Oh, yeah, yeah, it is Big Pex. And Big Pex is definitely just alright. But uh, with Dragapult everywhere, um, it is nice that uh, your Mandibuzz doesn't get 
you know, Max Dragoned after the uh, Dragapult maybe Max Phantasmed into the partner slot and lowered the defense of your Mandibuzz. Um, I think that Dragapult is just a, a very oppressive Pokemon, so it's nice that, uh, you, you know, Mandibuzz has that option at least. But um, the last thing I wanted to point out about Jake's team here is that he had the uh, core that we talked a lot about from Bokum, uh, the Ferrothorn, Rotom Wash, and Arcanine. And uh, I wanted to point out that, uh, yeah, Ferrothorn has this one top eight appearance, but it really just did not show up as much as it did here, uh, or show up as well as it did in Bokum. Um, but that core is still prevalent here on Jake's team, and it did make it into the top cut, so I can't completely dismiss it. Yeah, there's even a there's even another one in top sixteen on Jacob Swilly's team. You know, even that same core of that Firewater Grass core, even the same three Pokemon. Um, in addition to Mudsdale, Togekiss, Dragapult, but um, yeah, just seeing uh seeing that again just you know, provides a lot of balance to the team. And just, uh, I mean, Togekiss is one of those Pokemon where it's just, it's so threatening uh, in so many of the different roles it plays. You can run super offensive sets with the uh, Super Luck and Scope Plans variant so that you can uh, instill fear into your opponents that you might get critical hits uh, about half the time there. And uh, it's got redirection. It can run weakness policy, so it can also turn into another offensive threat there too. Um and has a lot of good support, really good support move pools. So, um, really one of the best Pokemon in the format right now. And you can see why it's so prevalent throughout all of these uh, teams um, you have here, especially in the top cut. I, I don't know the numbers on here, but it is a good, healthy percentage of uh, Togekiss present on almost every single team. And it's almost uh, it's healthy almost is nece- the uh... <laughs> honestly, it's almost necessary because. Um, just because of all of, of the, how strong the Dynamax moves are, you need to just take, take that, those powerful ones away from, uh, what your team strategy is trying to do. Now, Steven, the key word there though, is you said a healthy amount. Do we define this as healthy? I'm looking through and I think it's at 50% or more. I guess, uh, I guess my terminology is incorrect. I, I mean, like, uh, there's a, yes, there is a lot. There's a large amount of Togekiss. I don't, I don't know if healthy is the correct term there. You know, I, I think I can run the numbers here if I uh, press the magic F12 key. And uh, there we go. Search Togekiss. Um, I, if this number is correct, oh my gosh. Uh, it's looking like about 83 wow. out of the 128 teams had uh, Togekiss on it. That seems about right. And yeah, Toge- and so... Togekiss is definitely the best Pokemon in the format. So I, I think that high usage is definitely warranted. Justin is not afraid to say it. I'm not without fear. Something that Justin and I were talking about uh, in one of our team building groups, though, uh, I'm not leaking any of our secrets. Don't worry, Justin. <laughs> um, but we did talk about how it's kind of funny that Arcanine is just like becoming one of the best Pokemon again, as we saw in 2017. And that is something that uh, we both kind of agreed. Uh, we don't mind. Like Arcanine is just a very fair, uh, as just to quote Justin, he said, it is an honest Pokemon. And so um, like, it's really cool that uh, Arcanine is once here, or once again here at the top. Uh, I guess our Intimidate Fire types will just no, never go away. But uh, I really, I really don't mind it. It's a Pokemon that keeps the game, um, you know, at a playable pace with the um, Intimidate and the Snarl, uh, just keeping the opponent from doing too much damage with those max moves. And yeah, I think it leads to just like good formats and good gameplay. Yeah, it gives. Yeah. It really just gives players control. It lets you control those games, and um, even if you're not running those defensive sets, you can run like the offensive justified or like choice sets too. So um, it's a very diverse Pokemon, and uh, you know it's really starting to sprout up a lot more as we move on through the season here. Yeah, it definitely has a uh, fantastic toolbox for uh, you know keeping the pace of the game at a uh, at a not too fast level. Um, it doesn't have too many tools like Incineroar does to the point where it enables a lot of um, really, really dumb like team compositions. Like it, I, I believe it did when it, you know, Incineroar was first released. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of Arcanine. And uh, once again, my budget usage statistics have Arcanine at uh, 52 out of the top 128 teams. So just a bit under uh, half of the teams had an Arcanine on them. And I can't imagine anything is higher than that besides the uh, Togekiss that we uh, mentioned. So I guess uh, I guess I want to talk a little bit about some of the players here. You know, we've see we see a lot of uh, familiar names in the top thirty-two, and uh, another thing is like 
I think I also saw this was someone's like very first regional ever in uh, just competitive Pokemon, and they also made the top cut here. I don't know the name, and I don't know how well they finished, but that's still really cool to see that someone was able to do that. There was also uh, a good number of players, like seven or eight, that this was their first regional cut as well. You know, players that have been going to tournaments over and over, but have not yet able been able to find that, you know, strong finish, were able to make it into the cut. Yeah, it's pretty awesome to see. Um, you know, every player, every... You know, good player that's played before uh, definitely had, you know, had their first regional cut at some point. That's just, you know, how things are. Um, so I'm definitely happy to see, like, a, a lot of new faces in cut. And uh, pretty awesome to see someone going to their first regional ever, which happened to be the, you know, biggest regional in a long time. And uh, making top cut on their first try. Good for him, but man, maybe he thinks we're free. Oh, no. <laughs> Can you imagine if this is just his first tournament and he's like, is it really just this easy? <laughs> I mean, is Can I just... maybe they're not wrong? <laughs> there was 500 of uh, 500 VGC players, several of the nation's best. Um, so uh, definitely props to whoever that player was. Um, that's uh, just an incredible story. Uh, and then hopefully maybe they like wrote a team report about it or something. Because uh, if they even know what team reports are, who knows how new this player is? They're just like, oh, there's an event going on in Dallas this weekend. Maybe I should go. I've got a team. I think it can do well. I'm just going to bring it and uh, do my best. So, but, uh, uh, yeah, I there guess... was a... Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Alex. The I was going to say, I don't know if there was anything else too notable to uh, remark about the like rest of the teams. Like, obviously, there are some crazy, crazy Pokemon uh, in here. And, like, you know, all kinds of wild one-offs but uh we're we're not gonna bother taking the time to talk about all of them except uh there was one player uh that brought a gotharita um they ended up finishing in the top 64 um i believe they lost in the last round of swiss to jacob swilly in the win and in uh with a team of arcanine lapras gotharita gothatel riperior and duraludon uh, they earned 50 CP. That is as much as winning a midseason showdown. So congratulations to that player. I know. Yeah, it's not often that that player wins midseason showdowns. So, uh, oh my god, definitely, a, <laughs> definitely a big help to that person. Sure is. <laughs> and and with and so, and with the Gotharita uh, too. It's like what a surprise. Yeah, he didn't realize that he could bring fully evolved Pokemon. Apparently. Um, or, you know, was doing his best to try to break Species Claws. Uh, of course, I am talking about myself. I finished with a 7-3 record, uh, finishing 51st or whatever I just said before. Um, and, uh, of course, we mentioned already that Justin finished in the top four uh, because he is good at Pokemon or something. And then, uh, Steven, uh, I know you might want to hide, but we might as well mention it for the viewers at home that want to know, Steven, how did you finish? Sure, uh, I went 5-5. Uh, five and five. I actually started off okay. I started 4-2 uh, and two, uh, going into round, what is that, 7? Um, and then just collapsed from there, so I ended up finishing 5-5. Five and five. I think I saw my placement was like 215, so that's a that's a three-digit number there, 215. Uh, so not, not very good. Um, you know, I still got a lot of work to do. Do you mind mentioning the six that you brought? Sure, I actually brought the uh, Francois Leganista team from the French player from last week. Or the previous show from Bokum, it was that top four uh, surf spam team. So that was oh, Steven, You should have asked me. That was the uh, Jelson, Gastrodon, Ludicolo, Pelipper, Togekiss, and Conkelder. Wait, ask you, ask you, ask you about what? <sighs> Justin knows. Justin I knows. Know. I uh, I mean, I mentioned this on the show that when he talked about Bokum, but I mean, I was such a huge proponent of that team. I was one of the. Uh, first players to use it you should have asked me for more like i don't know you should have just told me you were running it at least oh oh gotcha <laughs> yeah it was uh it was funny because when we st when we were uh doing the show last week i hadn't uh realized that that player was using a team like that and i was already i was running surf spam stuff already prior to recording mm -hmm. that show and i was just like oh this looks pretty strong i'm just gonna borrow this <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> Was it a fun team to play though? Because oh it's one of my favorite teams to oh play. Oh my gosh, it was such a fun team to play with. Um, I uh, honestly, again, like I honestly kind of just collapsed at the end. Um, probably a long day and just uh, me, uh, me wanting to be more familiar with that team, and uh, probably just my skill as a player right now. But um, I, I know I got improvements to make uh, to myself and just uh, to my overall play. So 
Um, if I'm going to get anywhere this season, I'm going to have to do that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be totally honest with uh, all the listeners out here that, uh, you know, I wasn't happy with that result going five and five isn't, you know, super uh, proud thing to do or notable thing to do. But um, this was a big regional and, you know, I'm just going to need to uh, adjust for the future tournaments. And so going forward, uh, I believe all three of us will be going to Collinsville, which will be um, at the end of February. I mean, it's on Leap Day, so it's like the beginning of March, the end of February. Steven, are you going to that tournament? Alex will be looking to make finals for the third time in four years at that regional. Well, well, well. Yeah, we'll see if I can bring home another uh, Collinsville finalist brick. Or maybe a win again. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, Stephen, do do you know if you'll be going to Collinsville or not? Yeah, I should be. I should go. I should be going to that one. Yeah, that's that's one of the close ones for us. That is the next major for all of us. It is about a month away uh, as of the time of recording right now. So we've got a lot of time to prepare for that, uh, as well as uh, Australia should be the week before that, right? Um, is that is it the week before? Wow, is that close? Yes. Wow. So yes. so yes, yeah, that's that's the one. So we'll have that to look to for meta development to see how that infl- Oh, man, that was uh rough. <laughs> we'll have a bit of time to see <laughs> the meta development before uh that tournament for us as well as for anybody else that is attending that uh tournament in Collinsville. Um but that is what is next for us um as well as you know there there might be some special events around the globe uh as there always are in Latin America. And uh, then lastly, um, one thing that we did want to talk about was uh, there was an announcement. uh, I don't know. I think this was in the week uh, after Dallas, um, but they announced the uh, location and date for Worlds. So uh, Worlds will be run August 14th to 16th uh, in this year, 2020. And it will be at the same venue that uh, London has been run at before, which is the Excel uh center i think is what it's called excel london something like that it's just maybe it's just called excel london um but that is where worlds will be held this year in august that's awesome i mean i'm glad we have the dates and the uh specific site so um i'm imagining like the two of you have probably been to this one already uh what what do you know about it if you've been there how did you like it well i have not been there justin has not i will leave it up to alex to tell us all about it Oh no, all the pressure's on me. Yeah, this was uh, the first European international that I went to. Um, that was in the year... Uh, 2017. 2017. 2018 uh, season, though. Um, but we were still playing the 2017 format. That was... Um, oh, that London was a crime. That was a crime of a London. Because uh, that was the... <laughs> but that was when Europe got to experience the first international of... 2017 format as well as the last and uh, i don't think they asked for the last but that was what they received um and of course the uh, the venue was very nice it was a a pretty nice place um it was there's like a lot of good like food options there uh, and of course just speaking to london in general uh london is like one of my favorite places i've ever gotten to visit uh it was just such a beautiful place the trans the the like you know public transport is so great there so you're going to be able to see all the sites and what have you uh if you do end up going to the world championships it's just in such a great area and everything is pretty accessible from excel there's like a train that takes you right there and um hotel options within walking distance Uh, i believe that's what i ended up doing so uh very excited to see it returning to this place uh not just london but uh this venue in general okay cool that's good to hear so um, really good. We got all this information, you know, now in January. So we have a, a good seven months in advance for people to, you know, plan ahead, plan their trips, uh, you know, schedule their vacation time ahead of time if they need to do that. So that's awesome. And we're running near the end of our show here. But um, I was wondering if either the two of you, what kinds of uh, closing thoughts do you have about just the uh, metagame moving forward? Because like you said, the next like actual major event we have um that'll i guess hold you know real significance is the oceana international um in about a month here because uh, we do have a few special events in latin america but um where do you two where do you two see the metagame uh, standing right now 
So, uh, going into Dallas, I had my character dressed in all black clothing, uh, kind of looking like a goth character, uh, because, you know, I was running the double goth Pokemon, and I thought that would be kind of fun. I also set up my trainer card to be kind of uh, edgy in that <laughs> sense. Um, but I'm realizing now, uh, since Steven mentioned metagame so many times, that maybe he didn't say clothing thoughts, and instead he might have said closing thoughts on the metagame. Maybe we should just talk about clothing oh, so, instead. Let's just do clothing. I'm so ready to talk about my character, too. Oh, no. Justin had a good character. This sounds more fun. Justin, give me your clothing this thoughts. This sounds more fun. Let's just do yeah. this. So, uh, I decided to dress up my character as the uh, the character Nagito Komida from the Danganronpa series. And his whole thing is that he is absurdly lucky. So he will Just like he will, Justin. Like, have bouts of really good luck and then he will immediately have bouts of very very bad luck and this will like go back and forth and back and forth um what's even funnier is that this is this uh is totally coincidence but you know my my team definitely had a strong luck theme um in in the form of a scopeland's togekiss so wait did you actually have this uh outfit planned before you had the togekiss on your team no Oh yes, yes. I have I've had the outfit in game for about a month or so. Mm-hmm. And I didn't you know, I didn't put two and two together until somebody pointed out that Nagito using uh Scopeland's Togekiss is incredibly on brand. Um and I think what's one thing that was very exciting for Justin over the weekend or at least maybe right after was that a lot of people did actually recognize his costume when he was on stream. Uh he got a you got a number of like, you know, Twitter messages and tweets at you saying, Is this what you were going for? Oh yeah, definitely. It was it was really awesome, and I actually ended up on um, the Danganronpa Reddit page. <laughs> oh my gosh, which that's is awesome. pretty hilarious. That's so cool. Um, so Stephen, any clothing thoughts from you? Um, I don't have clothing thoughts. I just have a question for Justin. When uh when you're up there uh being ready to be streamed for that top four match, and they had the wrong team um on display there, did you have it? Were you aware of any of that when that was happening? Or wasn't only until no, after. No, actually, yeah. So we we were sitting up there, and then suddenly the crowd just starts like laughing and like making tons of noise. And so me and Aaron just look at each other, and they were like, "What is going on?" <laughs> and then we we look at the judge, and he's he's sitting there, and he he didn't know what was going on at first, but I I, I, I assume someone told him what happened through his mic, and he said he wasn't allowed to tell us, and that we would find out afterwards. Oh. And so. Aaron and I were like getting worried. He's like, "What? What is happening?" So uh, that would then, be a kind of a weird thing to hear before your game. Yeah. So <laughs> when I got off stage, I I checked Twitter and had a billion notifications, and you know, then I, I saw the picture of the team, and I thought it was so funny. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I was, I was just very curious about that. So those those are uh, my clothing closing thoughts. Not clothing related. Just closing related. I guess we should talk about a little bit about the metagame, I guess. Uh, um, if we have to. <laughs> we have to. I don't know, if you, if you want. <laughs> no, well, I'm fine with sharing my thoughts. I, I, I think, you know, right now, a lot of the strong Pokemon um, are probably going to stay really strong just because of how, you know, Dynamax works. You know, there's still going to be Togekiss. There's still going to be Rhyperior. Um, there's still going to be, you know... Whimsicott, and even, you know, Charizard, Kinkeldur, all, all those Pokemon. Um, so I, I think how people approach the matchups and how people play is going to have to change a lot. And I, I think there is a lot of room for, you know, people to, you know, improve their play because with, with Dynamax, you can do so much in the game itself. I, I think, you know, I I always have to deal with Alex looking at all the all the teams and being like, "Oh, these teams look so boring. I'm not interested in any of them." But uh, <laughs> I, like, uh, you, there's a lot you can do with like a set of six Pokemon. Like, I I easily could have, um, you know, my sets, my my Dragapult set, my Grimmsnarl set, my Togekiss set. Those all could have been different, and it would have drastically changed how my my team plays in general. 
Yeah, and so um, I Justin has got me pretty much spot on. I do agree that like I think or I agree with myself uh, that I think that the teams are just generally they don't seem to have like a general purpose. A lot of the teams are kind of just like Pokemon put together, but I think that's what we're going to see going forward. Is like a lot of the teams are just kind of good stuffs, and that's just how meta games are going to be. Not every team has to have a uh, you know a, dr- a drastic theme to it. Um, but I think that like, uh, Justin, if you don't mind me breaking down your team a bit, when I talk about this, um, you have, there's a lot of, uh, room for creativity, uh, when you just look at the, um, the sets that you can run. Whereas like, you know, Justin had a scope lens Togekiss, he had a special offensive Dragapult and you know, he had some, um, like a Grimmsnarl that didn't have screens. And a lot of people are so expecting that Grimmsnarl is just running light clay with, you know, screens and stuff like that and so um i think one of the most important things is going to be that players refine their play and they uh, are better able to kind of scout for the move sets that the their opponents are running because uh covering all the options is going to be pretty tough but you know um obviously you do your best with that but make sure that you learn that important information uh in that first game so that you're able to uh, you know, route a comeback if it doesn't go well, and you just, you know, you have a better game plan going into game two, knowing what kind of sets your opponent's running once you've learned that information. Yeah, there's plenty of room to innovate with uh, these Pokemon and all these teams, and uh, even with, like, the Dynamax, with the moves you're running, especially because the the way they influence the Dynamax moves, so um, this, those are just very good points about both of those things, and, you know, I'm excited to see where this uh, game moves forward, because I don't think, uh, I don't think we're going to stagnate uh, for long, because um, we're going to get new waves of G-Max Pokemon uh, eventually, whenever that happens, either in March or a month after that. But uh, we're going to get some uh, changes coming up. Pokemon Home's coming out soon uh, in February. So we'll be getting some uh, hidden abilities back for some Pokemon. I think a big notable one is going to be Clefairy and Clefable getting Friend Guard and uh, Unaware, respectively. But, um, you know, we still have a lot of uh, fun things to do and get through um, in these next few uh, months here of the season. Yeah, totally agreed with all that. Awesome, everyone. So... Um, I think that's our show here. Uh, we're right. We're here right about at time. But uh, here we want to just say thank you to Justin for being on the show once again. Thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for inviting me once again. Um, I definitely really enjoy talking about Pokemon when I'm, you know, having fun with it. So I'm, I'm really happy I got to come on and, you know, talk about Dallas and the metagame in general with you guys. That is something else to say is that 2020 is really fun. VGC 2020 is like some of the most fun I've had in Pokemon in a long time. Yeah, it's a good time. So uh, Justin, once again, congratulations on your top four finish in Dallas here. And uh, also congratulations to our champion here, Aaron Trailer. Um, Takes that first regional win in the United States here. And uh, here, we're just going to wrap up our show by saying uh, you can find us in a variety of different places. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Remember to leave us a review to help us out with visibility to help with others discover the show. You can also tell your friends about us. If you think this is a show they would enjoy about competitive Pokemon, please let them know. And you can also send us your comments, feedback, and questions to our email, vgchypervoice at gmail.com. You can also find our show on Facebook and on Twitter at The Hypervoice. Lastly, you can also find all of us personally on Twitter as well. You can follow me at SuperMorioka. Alex, where can people follow you? You can follow me at LexiconVGC. And Justin, where can people follow you? I am at JustMrBurns. Excellent. Everyone, that's our show. Thank you, the listeners, so much for listening. And stay tuned for more of the Hyper Voice. Alola. Almost forgot.